0: Let's get into the question for today. I appreciate y'all engaging with my, with my question. So the question of the week that I posted online today is, what is wisdom and how do you get it? You know, wisdom is an interesting topic. Um, if wisdom is something you've heard probably your whole life. You know, like we need to be wise. Can you agree with me? And the difficulty is you've heard a word your whole life and still you don't know how to articulate the word. Can you agree with me? If I were to ask you to define wisdom, it can be a little bit difficult to give a definition. So let me ask you, what does it mean to be wise? It kind of reminds me, you know, even in our society, if if you don't know what a word means, confusion can come in the word. So, you know, uh, Matt Walsh, was he just did a documentary. He's a big, big time kind of conservative in the country. And he did a a documentary about what is a woman? You know, like, today in society, we have a lot that cannot even define what a woman is. And because there's no definition, there's a lot of fluidity. Like, there's a lot of openness to what a woman means. So, what I want to just encourage you is we have to have a clarity about wisdom. So, first, we can understand it, but that's so also we can live it. So, I want us to articulate together first, what is wisdom? And as we understand what wisdom is, how do we get it? So here's what I defined wisdom as. So what is wisdom? It's the perspective to see things clearly and to act in accordance. So it's seeing things clearly and to act in accordance. Let me, let me explain this further. Think about it. We can all agree young people are not always the most wise. Some people have natural wisdom, but usually young people aren't because they don't see. I'll give you an example. Um, you know, when someone, a young man is 16 and gets on insurance, do you know what they, what's known about young men who get on insurance? Their rate is higher. Why is a 16-year-old boy's insurance higher than a 25-year-old boy? When you're 16, what are you thinking? Oh, I want to be fast. Who you think nothing can stop me, nothing can hurt me. So you're ready to push the, f- the pedal down to the bottom and drive, right? But guess what happens as time goes on? You turn 20 and 25 and 30 and you yeah, that, that inside of you you have that perspective, yeah. And as you get older you understand. So then now let's contrast that when you have a baby, say you're 30 and you have a baby and you're driving home. Guess how you're driving? Everyone's going, not even not even the speed limit right? What's the difference? There's a perspective. There's a shift. There's an understanding. I need to protect what's in this car rather than being reckless. So one of the things that I understand about wisdom, it's the perspective, how you see something. Well, the sad part though is, you know, normally as people get older, they get wiser. I've lived enough though to understand that sometimes old people are not always wise people. Can y'all agree with me? And then we start to think in the scriptures of how God defined wisdom. You know, we talked about Solomon. Solomon is the image of wisdom in the Bible. And so if you don't know, Solomon asked God for wisdom. Solomon had offered so many sacrifices to God that it pleased God, that God met him at night and said, if I could give you anything, what can I (coughs) give you? And Solomon said, I want wisdom. So one of the first examples um, of Solomon having to uh, interact with this was Solomon with two women, right? So two women came to Solomon, and one of them, one of them, one of the babies had died. Both of them had a baby, and one of the babies had died. And the one lady said, "You know, this lady is lying. That's my baby." And the other lady said, "No, that lady rolled over and crushed her baby, and then stole my baby at night, and that's my baby." And so there was a tough situation brought. And so Solomon said, like, thought and thought. And he proposed a solution. Let's cut the baby in half, and we can give each of you half of the baby. So Solomon said, Let's cut it in half. And the real mom said, No, let the baby live. And so Solomon said, Give that woman the baby because she's the real mother. So again, we look in that situation and we wonder, Solomon didn't have experience, he didn't have age. What was wisdom in that situation? So we recognize is as Wilson Uncle was just saying. Wisdom is the ability to see a situation as God sees it. You know, when you look at your situation and you think you understand all of it, you're not wise. When you look at your situation and see God understands this more than I do, let me take his eyes rather than my eyes, you start to become wise. And that's what goes into the text. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When you look at who God is and recognize he created all of this, and and you recognize he knows better than you know, you stop trusting these eyes and this brain, and you say, God, you know more than I do. You see better than I do. And that's what real wisdom is. It's having the perspective of God. You know, we recognize there is earthly wisdom, and then there's spiritual wisdom. You know, the things of, the, of, the, of God are foolishness to the world. And the things of God or the things of the world are foolishness to God. You have to recognize that sometimes, you know, you maybe as you start to have the wisdom of God and seeing the way God sees, the world will look at you and say, you're not very wise. But it doesn't matter because they have a perspective where they're coming from. True wisdom comes from God. And it takes you getting on your knees and saying, God, I need wisdom. It's a spiritual thing. So we're going to begin with our text, though. So let's, let's just look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. So if you think about it, I don't know if I, well, let's read this real quick. Um, it says Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27 says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man, not just any man, what kind of man, a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the stream rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it didn't fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears the words of mine and doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish man. So we see the opposite of wisdom is foolishness. A foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the stream rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. So where does wisdom come from? Well, let's read it. What is wisdom? Wisdom is, started with the P, I don't know if anyone remembers. Wisdom is perspective. It's our shift of perspective from our eyes to God's eyes. And where does perspective come from according to this? You want to gain the wisdom of God, you have to practice the word of God. There's no rocket science, right? You just take the words that God has given you and say, this is how I'm going to live my life. But for many of us, we don't do that. We choose to live our life like I want to live my life because we think we know best. And if you think you know best, you will never be wise. And the second you look and say, God, I need your eyes and your perspective, in every situation, you begin to grow in wisdom. It's you giving up yourself and your perspective. I had a student once who who brought came to mind and I remember I was teaching a lesson on factoring. This was back in my poteet days. I remember I finished the lesson and she came up to me and she said, Mr. Thomas, you said that wrong. I said, what do you mean? Like, I know math pretty well. She said, yeah, I remember what my teacher said last year. You did it incorrect. I'm like, I literally have a degree in mathematics Please explain to me. And she's like, I don't have anything else to say except I just remember it from last year and you just didn't do it right. I'm like, what kind of like reasoning, right? And in her mind, what was it? <clears throat> in her mind, what was she thinking? I was right. She was right in her mind. And so because of it, she would never have any wisdom. In my math class, she did not do good on that assignment because she kept doing it her way. <laughs> she didn't get it correct. And yet many of us do that in our life. We will continue living the way that we want to live. We continue having struggles the way we want or the way we do it. And we wonder why. And God said, I've given you wisdom. I've given you a blueprint. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. You know, it says, therefore, who hears these words. When he talks about these words, he was talking about the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount has these, all of these beautiful ideas of how we should live. Love your enemies is one thing. The human wisdom says, hate your enemy, fight your enemy. And the, hu- and the spiritual wisdom, when you want to have the eyes of God, you love your enemy. And wisdom is not hearing that, it's putting that into practice. What else does Matthew 5, 6, 7 say? Don't worry. Matthew 6 talks about rather than worry, seek first the kingdom of God. And you wonder, God, why do I have so much worry inside of me? He's already given you the wisdom on how to overcome. Now, wisdom is putting it into practice. And if you want to continue doing what you've done, you will continue getting the outcome that you've had. But if you want to build a firm foundation, a house that's on a firm foundation, you need to hear the words that God said and you need to put it into practice. So let me get into some practical ways we do this. So let's just begin here. I have a flow chart, by the way. Where does wisdom come from? Wisdom comes, wisdom is perspective. Where does perspective come from? Obedience. Because if you think about it, sometimes it doesn't make sense. Why do I have to love my enemy? My perspective is if I keep loving my enemy, they'll keep being mean. But God says, I have a perspective that's better than you. So the flowchart says wisdom comes from perspective. Perspective comes from obedience. So where does obedience come from? Well, let's, let's look at this story. The first thing I see is planning. Planning is necessary in your walk with God. So many of us think, okay, if I hear a sermon and I'm motivated on Sunday, I'm going to change my life, right? But instead, if we look at Luke chapter 6, verse 46 to 49, So this is another account of the same story. And and he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I'll show you what they're like. They are like a man building a house who did what? Who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. If you are building a life founded on God, you say you have to dig down deep. You know how much effort that takes? How much planning that takes. We like to think if I hear a good sermon on Sunday, then good, I'm ready to go. No, if you want to put this into your life, you have to start making some plans for your life. Meaning what? Okay, I don't necessarily love my spouse well. You know, sometimes if she says something rude, I want to say something back. Come with a plan of how you will put it into practice. Meaning, you know, I was thinking about this for myself. Sometimes I want to say something back. That's what humans want to do. So, you know what I did? My first plan is shut your mouth. So the first thing I have to literally, even if you have to grab your mouth and shut it, shut it. And then then the second part of my plan is the emotions that are on the inside, I have to regulate that. I have to be the one that regulates me. So you see, I have a two-step plan to avoid not loving my spouse, right? Again, my first thing is I have to shut my mouth because that's the first problem. If my mouth opens, it's trouble. I've learned this. If I open my mouth, it's, it's going to just end up in more chaos. And so I cut my, keep my mouth shut. That's my first step in my plan. The second step is that emotion that's inside me. Even though I cut my mouth, I need to regulate that. I need to calm myself and think, man, how many nice things has she done for me? You know how many nice meals she's cooked? Man, her salmon is so good. You know, you have, you have to like start to think of the good things in your mind. And when I think about that, the, the anger goes, and it goes away. Kind of calms down. <laughs> so you have to make the plan for yourself. You know yourself better than anyone. You know, you you talk about worry. You may be someone that naturally worries. And so you, if you don't come up with the plan on Tuesday, when that coworker causes you a little stress, you may start to worry. When that situation that you know maybe something that's difficult comes up, you may start to worry. So come with the plan. So, you know, the way to beat worry according to what Jesus said, he said, seek my kingdom first. You know what the kingdom of God is? It's loving other people. It's picking other people up. So the second I start to feel worried, you know what I do? I take out my phone and I just reach out to someone and say, how are you doing? Rather than focusing on me, the wisdom of God says, love somebody else. When you're loving somebody else, worry goes down. You start to take on their burden and guess what happens? Worry goes down you have to come up with a plan. Just like a person who has to build a house has to come up with a plan, you have to come up with a plan. So I want to give you, so I put a picture of a house built on a rock. And look how strong that house looks. If you will spend time and come up with a plan, you can build something strong for your family life, for your work life, for every aspect of your life. So, and I, I wanted to bring a quote, and the quote says, he who fails to plan is planning to fail. This is from, uh, I think it was Benjamin Franklin, but different people have used it. But think about that. Those who, are fa- who fail to plan are, fail- are planning to fail. So if you don't put any plan right now, here's what I'm really telling you. You have to think, okay, I really want to live a wise life. You need to make a plan for your week genuinely. You need to make a plan and, you know, we're ready to make a plan for everything. You know, if I want to lose weight, everyone, you know, I'm on a sweets challenge starting tomorrow. We're ready to cut the sweets out because guess what? I know if I want to lose weight, I need to make a plan. And mine's more just for discipline. I need to keep my A1C down. Right? So I came up with a plan. Let me cut my sweets to once a week. For our health life, for our financial life, for our family life, we will plan. For your spiritual life, you need to make a plan. You need to grow your character, your whatever it is, come up with a plan today so that you can execute more of what God needs from you. So my advice is make a to-do list and prioritize the command of God. Just like you need to make a to-do list for your week, make a to-do list for your walk with God. Make a to-do list. Even if you want to send it amongst us, do that. This is the accountability of the believers. And here's the beautiful thing you can either do this or not. You can either do this or just continue living your life the way that it is. So we think the ball's in your court at this point. Make a to do list today, and that's my encouragement to you. What's the next thing that I see that's important in this process? What's the next word if you want to read it? Practice. practice. Those who hear the words of my and put it into practice. I have a picture of someone doing what? Shooting free throws in basketball, guess what? You do it over and over and over again. You may do a free throw 100 times, and the hope is that as you keep doing it, when the time comes, you'll be ready. This doesn't say, hear these words of mine and be perfect. You know, we think, okay, I have to be perfect in this. That's when I'll put it into practice. No, just start practicing it. Just start practicing it. Like the things that he's told you to do, just start doing it. You know, I had a, a story that I read this week that I really liked. There was a woman who was realizing that every day her husband came home from work, they had two babies. So I that, thought is, is interesting. It's kind of like us. And they had a lot, she had a lot of stress. She, she stayed with the kids all day. And so in order, you know, when she would come home, the first thing she would do is start complaining to the husband. You need to do this. You need to do that. And she was just realizing there's a friction in the family. So she made a plan and she started practicing it. And so every day, every day when the husband came home from work, she would literally go to the door and she would greet him with a hug and a kiss and say, I'm so glad you're happy, you're back home. Rather than starting with the complaints, rather than starting with everything that needed to be done, she said, let me love him first. And so she took a video of this and it was on Instagram. It was really good because you see, as the days go on, the husband is so happy to come home. He's like ready to give her a big hug and just take the kids. And it made me think she came up with a plan and she put it into practice. The Word of God is not a rocket science. It's something that you just have to make a plan and put it into practice. And as you do that, slowly but surely, there's a wisdom that comes into your space. There's a wisdom that comes into your home. And then God is able to be glorified even more. But guess what we do? We do what we've always done. This is how my parents did it. This is how I do it. Maybe this is how my kids will do it. No, we have to make a plan and put this into practice. No one is born a perfect Christian. Literally nobody. We are all a work in progress. So even this week, I want to encourage you, come up with a plan and start to practice it. And, you know, I wanted, corporately, I wanted us to... Do one thing together. Pick one that thing that you will enforce this week. One thing you will practice. And you know, as I was preparing, I felt like God was saying, I want you all to enforce the unity of the family. So this week, every day, whether you feel like it or not, say something kind to your spouse, to your siblings, to your parents, to whoever is in your house. Proactively loving is a command of God. So put it into practice. And maybe the first time you do it, you may be awkward. and You'll be like, eh, you're, I'm happy to have you home. You, know? <laughs> you may be a little awkward. <laughs> and you may feel like, oh, man, that was really bad. And you're like, I'm never going to do that again. Don't worry. Then the second it comes and you just come a little smoother. and like, hey, I'm so happy you're here. And then the third day is like, mm, this, the house smells so good. Thank you for cooking for me. You know, like, and as you do it day by day, as we put it into practice, we build the life that God intended. So I wanted us as a a group to do that, but even for your own personal life, pick some things that you can practice. You know, I talked about worries. That's something that I kind of deal with a little bit, think about the future. And every time that comes up, I wanna practice loving someone. So I'm gonna get my phone out and I'm just gonna reach out and just say, hey, how are you doing? Find what you need in your life where maybe you're lacking and put it into practice. And then finally, the last thing, and then I'm finished for today is this, Prepare for the storm. Let me go back one. You know, it's interesting in this. You see, I, I put a picture of a storm. <laughs> in both situations, whether the person was wise or whether, the, he's fine, whether the person was wise or whether the person was foolish, the storm came. And here's what I want you to recognize. Whatever life you are building, if, even if it's for God or not for God, storms will come. That's a certainty of life. But here's the blessed hope you have. If you built a wise life on the principles of God, in those moments, you will stand strong. So here's the thing. You know, every day when you love your spouse and say, hey, you are the greatest thing that's happened to me, thank you for the way you cook, you are so beautiful. Guess what happens? On the tough day, when it's stressful, on the tough day where a situation comes up, you've built this foundation that you have a strong and firm foundation. But many of us live by our feelings today, that because of that, when the storm comes, we fall. We say and do whatever when the storm comes. I'll give you an example of this from one of my students in class. You know, one of my students was telling me, you know, she was. In her last semester, she was in high school. She was having struggles in class. And on one test, she cheated. She did bad, and she got caught. So they told the parents. And so the parents were so disappointed. Um, you know, they stripped some of the honors from her. Because, again, cheating is a big deal. And, you know, he, they were having stress at work, too. And the student told me that day when she wa- that she went home from school. The dad looked at her, and he said, I don't even know why I have you as a child. Like, you're not even worthy to be my child. And the kid literally was like, she went to bed that night so sad. She's like, why, Like she literally said, why am I even alive? And it made me think, you know, on the good days when you can establish something good, you need to. Because when things get hard, you know, they had, they had work stress, they had this stress, the rains will come and you will crash. And not only will you crash, it will affect the people around you. And luckily, the girl I was able to, like she was saying, she said, I have a perspective that she was like, I know they mean it for my good. But think about how, how much that hurts a kid. Think about how long that goes with the kid. So I want to encourage you, if you don't have the wisdom of God and you're not planning it and putting it into practice, when the storm comes, it will affect you. And not only will it affect you, it will affect those around you. The crash will come and it will be hard. But guess what? If you established it on the rock, there will be a foundation and you'll be able to be strong. So I just want to encourage you today, and I'm going to put the the flow chart, you know. um, Well, let me give you one more piece of advice. Reflect on your life today to see if you respond well in storms. When life gets chaotic and life gets hard, how are you? If you're someone that just flows with the storm and you get upset and you get worried and you follow like that and you crash, maybe you need to reflect and say, God, how do you want me to be? God, I want you to guide me and let me begin to put into practice the wisdom you've given me. And as you do that, I'm telling you there's a firm foundation, but you have to be the one that reflects on your life. You have to look at your life and say, am I living with a firm foundation? I can't tell you that. Because if I tell you don't listen, I've learned this too. Even if I tell someone they don't listen, you have to come to the recognition for yourself, is this a wise life? So let's go through the flow chart real quick. Where, what is wisdom? Wisdom is perspective. It's the perspective of God. Where does the perspective of God come? It comes in obedience. As you begin to obey, you start to see the way God sees. And where does obedience come from? It comes fr- from planning, And practicing so really if you want wisdom if you're interested in seeing the world and the way the world is the way God sees you need to start making a plan and putting it into practice otherwise you'll be like the foolish man and when every storm comes you won't have any strength to stand and so I just want to remind you I did have a few pieces of homework you know by this week hopefully by Wednesday come up with a list of things a plan of what you can put into practice whether it's the way you react, whether it's your worry, whatever area of your life that you maybe feel like God is convicting you, and maybe you don't have one, go look through Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and say, God, I wanna live the life that you have for me. Let me put it into practice. The The second piece of homework is put into practice these things. And really, I want all of us as a church each day this week to say something kind to someone in our family, whether it's your children, Whether it's your spouse or your siblings, whether it's your parents, speak something kind to them so that you can establish the wisdom in your home. And finally, I just reminded you that there are storms that are gonna come, but as you plan and practice, you will be ready for the storms. That whatever comes, you will be ready and y'all will be a firm, y'all will stand on a firm foundation together. Our prayer more than anything in this church is that we would look more and more like Christ wherever we go. And so our prayer is that as we begin to do these things, you will be the image of Christ in your work, in your home, at the grocery store, and at the gym. That everywhere you go, people will see Christ.